Well, we're going to turn to God's word now and, and having laid the foundation a little earlier for this short series, uh, we mentioned that we're going to begin today by considering the unrestricted commission. Uh, it's known as the Great Commission. It can be found at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And these are some of the very final words that Jesus shared with his disciples on earth before returning to heaven. And so these words take place after his crucifixion and his resurrection. And now he still had a few more things to say, uh, and they're recorded at the, at the beginning of the book of Acts. But as Jesus calls his first disciples in at the end of Matthew's gospel to a mountain in Galilee, he then gives them this clear and profound and history shaping commission. And for those of us who have claimed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then, and we're seeking to follow him today, then this is our commission too. And if you've been a Christian for a while or you've been around church for a while, you may know these words, you may know these verses, you may know the reality that as followers of Jesus, this is our commission too. And we know that in our heads, but I wonder if you, like me, have wondered how we continue to live out this commission in these days. And so let's read these words from Matthew 28. Um, We're going to spend some time in these verses this morning. So Matthew 28, I begin at verse 16 and we'll read through to verse 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What wonderful words these are, aren't they? And as Jesus stands on the mountain with his disciples and 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 speaks these words to them and over them, it must have evoked such a strong response in their hearts. And I hope that as we hear these words this morning they evoke a response in our heart too. You see for those of us who who know and follow Jesus, these words sum up what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him. This is our great commission too. And what does this commission lay out for us? How does, how does, in other words, Jesus characterize the lives of his followers? What should they be about? Well, in this great commission at the end of Matthew 28, I think we see at least five aspects to these words. We see Jesus saying, therefore, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey and be confident of my presence. Go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them, and be confident of my presence. And although these five things are mentioned in this commission, they're not five separate commands. They're not five separate activities. Rather, there's one overarching command in these verses. And the rest help us explain or help to explain what's involved in that one command. See, perhaps we maybe read these words then and think, well, the the one command must be to go. That sounds like the, the strongest action there. But, but the thrust of the original language actually puts the emphasis elsewhere. The, the main command within this verse is to make disciples. So if you want to summarize Jesus' unrestricted commission to his followers, it's this, make disciples. What's our purpose? What's our role? What are we to be about? We're to make disciples. We're to be disciples who make disciples. And then comes the details of how we're to do that. We go, we baptize, we teach in the power of his presence. We go, baptize, teach in the power of his presence. And so we're going to look at these four instructions and examine how they, uh, examine what they show us about how we are to make disciples. So firstly, let's consider how we go. 
well, the first question might be, well, where do we go? Verse 19 tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, of all people groups, of everyone, everywhere, go and make disciples. Uh, and we might automatically jump to thinking, well, that must mean some overseas mission or some cross-cultural engagement. And, and yes, of course, God may call some of us to that role. But it also includes those that we work with, those that we share our home with, our family members, our friends, those we meet over Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Everyone, everywhere, go and make disciples. There are no boundaries to this commission. There is nowhere where we're not to be seeking to make disciples. It's an unrestricted commission. And maybe that sounds a bit daunting, the, the scale of that mission that God is calling us to. But, but let's begin by recognising that those who we're closest to at the minute, those who we rub shoulders with regularly. You see, we often read this commission and hear the term go and, and we assume it means leaving where we are, going to a different place. But as I said, some of us may or some of us may hear the call of God to, to do that, to leave our life here, to go to, to somewhere distant and share his good news. Of course, that's included in this command to go. But the verb in the original language actually carries more of a connotation along the lines of as you go, make disciples. In, in other words, as you go around your daily life, in your going from here to wherever you go, wherever you are, let's be about the business of making disciples. So as we go, in your going, make disciples. That's our go. But, but what does it look like? How do we make disciples? Well, as we see, this process is never about us, is it? It's We don't make disciples of ourselves. We make disciples of Jesus. Uh, and for that to happen, people need to hear the wonderful good news of Jesus, the good news he has to offer. And then we want to encourage each other to grow in relationship with him. And so as we go, we're to call people to Jesus and then encourage their growth in Jesus. This could be summarized in, in what we see in these concepts, concepts of baptism and being taught. We call people to Jesus and we want to see people grow up in Jesus. Let's look at these two then, baptism and teaching. Look with me at verse 19. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and maybe this strikes us as, as a little bit odd that the first activity that we're commissioned to do is to go make disciples and baptize them. Well, shouldn't we share the gospel first? Well, actually, as we see from many other of the New Testament accounts, the two go hand in hand, sharing the gospel, calling people to repentance and having seeing them being baptized uh, go hand in hand. Indeed, baptism is the response to hearing and responding to the gospel. Think with me of Peter's first public address after Jesus has gone to heaven, not long after this commission has been given, in fact. And in Acts 2, we see the account of the Holy Spirit falling on the disciples, which Jesus, of course, had promised would happen. And they spill out then from the room that they're in in Jerusalem onto the streets in the middle of festival season. Uh, and Peter stands to address the crowd and explains to them why Jesus came, who he was, why he had to die, how he is now risen, ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father. Peter explains all this plainly to show that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah. He is the Savior who came to take away the sins of the world. And so let's jump into this account in Acts 2. And I want to read uh, from verse 37. So join with me. So Peter has given this wonderful address explaining who Jesus is. 
In verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see that baptism followed repentance. Baptism was the response to turning to God in repentance in turning to Jesus in faith for the forgiveness of sins. And so as we follow this commission, as we go, we call people to Jesus. And when they respond by offering their lives to him in faith, then we see them baptized. So we go and we see them baptized. But responding to that call of repentance, belief in Jesus is not the end of the story. Those who become followers of Jesus, who become disciples, are then to be taught. And we see this again in the account in Acts 2. It continues and shows how this teaching takes place. So these people have repented, they've been baptized. And then let's pick it up again in verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. In other words, those who believed, those who were baptized were added to this community of faith we now know it as the church. And we go on to see this wonderful description of the church in verses 42 to 47. They, that is all who believed, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you notice there how how communal this whole scenario seems to be? Clearly, being a disciple of Jesus is not just an individualistic thing. Being a disciple of Jesus means that you join a community who are also seeking to grow and to learn and to serve together. And of course, this is still the case. It's still one of the wonderful benefits of the, the great gift that God gives us in his church, that we're invited to be part of his family. And doing so, we we continue to encourage one another. We help one another along the journey of learning and serving Jesus. And indeed, we've already seen making disciples. It means, yes, we, we widely and openly invite those who don't know Jesus yet to come to know him. Of course we do. But it also means that making disciples helps. Is in, it means that we also help one another to grow in our knowledge and teaching and service of Jesus. That we grow in our discipleship and we help fellow disciples to grow. In fact, the New Testament would actually show that this is a responsibility that we have for one another. That we're called to make disciples in this commission of Jesus. And that involves encouraging one another to continue on in our discipleship. In other words, making disciples is not a spectator sport. Making disciples is not just the responsibility and the role of a selected few within the body of Christ. No, it's the commission of every member of that body to go make disciples. And that means drawing people to Jesus and it means helping those who know Jesus grow in their maturity in him. Warren Wearsby challengingly puts it like this. How much faster our churches would grow, how much stronger and happier our church members would be. If each one were discipling another believer. 
You see, we're to go and make disciples. And yes, that means we call people to Jesus and then we want to see those who are in Jesus grow in him. We continually and communally make disciples. We'll mention more about this in a few weeks when we think about the unrestricted church. But it's a reminder to us that Jesus' commission isn't just about winning people for him. It's about encouraging people in their maturity in him. As I've said repeatedly, we call people to Jesus and then encourage their faith in him. So, so far in this commission, we've seen that we make disciples. And we make disciples by going as we go, everywhere we go. We baptize, we call people to repentance and see them baptized into Jesus' name. And we teach, teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded us to. And the final thing then, Jesus' commission concludes with this wonderful promise of his powerful presence. So as we go, wherever we go, Jesus concludes in verse 20, the second half of verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely he is with us. Jesus' presence is with us by his spirit within us. So, so we don't seek to follow this commission in our own strength or for our own glory. No, we do it and we are able to do it because he equips us when we ask him. He empowers us to be his witnesses. And remember, there's great significance in Jesus being with us. Because remember what he said at the start of verse 18, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he is the one who is with us. And what great comfort this is to us because it reminds us that that despite all the fears and struggles and, and failures that we may experience as we seek to live out this commission, that we are empowered by the one who carries all authority. So we may struggle at times, yes. We may waver in our sharing of the gospel with those who haven't responded to it, yes. We may not take that every opportunity to encourage our brothers and sisters, yes. But his reminder that he is the one who is with us. He is the one who has all authority has been given to him and he commissions us to go and make disciples. And so there's nothing that we may face that is greater than King Jesus. Whatever fears might be holding us back, whatever people might be holding us back, whatever situations we feel may be holding us back. Nothing is greater. Nothing has more authority than the one who commissions us to go. This victorious King Jesus is with us, is in us, is empowering us to live out the commission that he has given us. So we don't walk this path alone. Not only do we have brothers and sisters with us, but we are constantly and joyfully indwelt by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He is the one who is at work in us and through us to draw others to the saving and loving embrace of Jesus. He is with us always. To the very end of the age. Let's hear these words of this great commission once again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we can see our commission is to make disciples. And we do that as we see people responding to the good news of Jesus by being baptized, by joining the church, by being taught how to obey Jesus' life-giving commands. And we do all of that 
as we go, wherever we go, in the power of his presence with us. This is indeed a great commission. The call of Jesus to all who follow him. And I pray that as we've dwelt on these words this morning, as you continue to dwell on them throughout today and the rest of this week, that we'd be encouraged by the reality that this is an unrestricted commission. God is still at work. He is still calling us to be his faithful, obedient, sacrificial disciples. And yes, in these days, we need to think and pray about how we can practically and lovingly continue to make disciples. But the one who flung stars into space is the one who calls us to do so. He's the one who equips us for it. And so let's seek him. Let's hear and respond in obedience to his word. Let's follow his lead. Let's go and make disciples for him and for his glory. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is timeless, that it is powerful. God, that you speak to us through your word. And Father, we thank you for those of us who know and love you, that you have given us this commission. You've given us this clear understanding of what our lives are to be about for you. That we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all of your commands. And we do that because you are with us. And God, yes, these days that we're living in have brought many changes and difficulties. But Father, we pray that you'd help us to see the good and gospel opportunities that you're putting in front of us. Father, that we would still be uh, followers of yours who live out this unrestricted commission, that wherever we find ourselves, whoever we find ourselves with now, we would continue to live this out. We would be continuing to make disciples, to calling people to come to know you, and for those who already know you, we would be encouraging them to grow in you. Father, we thank you for the promise of your presence with us. Oh, how we need it. How we need your spirit indwelling us, calling us deeper in our walk with you. Would you help us? We thank you, God. We pray that in your name, your kingdom would come, your will would be done. And so for your glory, we ask all these things. In your precious name. Amen. Amen.